So if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in Exodus. That's the second book of the Bible. It's all the way at the front. And we've been walking through this incredible real story that's kind of like the story. I don't know about you guys. I love to read. Anyone else a reader? And I have a confession to make and that you'll think less of me for it. I don't really like biographies. I don't really like history. I like stories. Like plot. I'll read for plot. Look, I, I like the other two. I'll read them. But if you'd say, hey, Dax, there's a rainy day outside. What do you want to read? I'll read for like an exciting chase novel or mystery. And I'll read it for the plot. I don't really, you know, I'll, if there's a little philosophical section and character, I'll skip that. Just so I can continue to track, you know, the cool hero that wins at the end, gets the bad guy. I love those stories. We're tempted to do that with the Bible. Because the stories are amazing. And we're even in Exodus. This is like the story that's real. It's like these amazing miracles are about to happen. These plagues that will, that will like afflict the bad guys and let the good guys go. God comes to rescue his people and Moses and Aaron are going to do amazing things. I'm, I'm tempted to race through and get there. We're going to be covering those plagues starting next week. It's room and sets of three. They're incredible, and they happened, and God did them, and they show really his strength and his power, and, and you, you want to, this is your God. You want to see it. But before we get there today, we need to pause. I'm calling this pause because the reason we pause is that the Bible does. You know, I'm sold out to this word of God that we have from our God written down by people, but it's there for a purpose to help us understand the things we really need to know to function in this world, to, to live life. And this is one of the biggies today is that we've tracked and gone through. And when the Bible pauses, you want to, too, you want to know what it means, what's going on. So almost always, if you've read Exodus, you've probably raced through the section we're going to look at today. Because the plagues are about to start. But that's in another chapter and a half. Instead, we have this morning. And I want you to see it. It's pretty amazing. It's very encouraging to you. Because I'll tell you, if you're like me, I'm a nobody. There's billions of people on earth. Does God really care? Use me. And look at what the Bible says. So let's take a look. I, we're going to pick it up in chapter 6. In verse 10, we read a little bit of this last time, but you need to see the context we come in. This is chapter 6. says, So the Lord said to Moses, Go in and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel haven't listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. We ended this last time. You remember how things went so swimmingly, just like God said. He gave Moses these amazing miracles. He went and did them. The people of Israel believed. They worshiped God. And then Pharaoh came and said, are you kidding? Just like God said, I'm not letting them go. They're lazy. Take away their straw. Make life harder for them. And so the people got mad at Moses and Aaron for telling them that stuff. And Moses is now like, Lord, I'm done. He said it a couple of times. And you have this man 
he's not who I thought he was in my shallow understanding of the Bible. Because I thought he's a hero, he's strong, he's the faithful one, he's in the hall of faith, he's the man of, of strength that I'm supposed to be like, and instead I see that he murdered someone and ran away to the desert. He lived there for 40 years, just kind of living. And then when he's old, with a couple kids, and married, and just living, God grabs him. Says, come. And Moses is like, I don't want to. He doesn't say, oh yeah, I'm really strong, I got this. No, he says, no, I don't really want, I, I can't speak well. And this uncircumcised lip thing, I, I'm pretty sure it means that he didn't speak very well. Maybe he had a stutter. Maybe he wouldn't want to listen to him if he started speaking and he would, he would stumble along. Maybe he was afflicted with the uhs. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I have a word from God uh, for, for you. Uh, I'm Moses. Dude, that's not very powerful. And so he had that, he had something, we don't know what it was. It's an uncircumcised, I just, I'm not worthy to be speaking for God and I don't, I don't have the life that's speaking for God. I don't have any of that, right? And so God said to him, this is, again, this is leading to what we're talking about, but the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Again, you know this, God spoke not just to Moses, but to Aaron, Moses, you don't speak well. Okay, fine. Go get your brother. By the way, his older brother. The guy who could speak well. The guy who had stayed in Egypt and hadn't run away. The guy who was put together. You never really, in fact, that's one of the commentators calls him the Teflon kid. Because whenever he does something wrong, he skates. He's going to do a golden calf later, and you don't even hear it. God's mad at Aaron. He made the silly idol. Who is this guy that just seems to do everything right? And he gets a pass, and then so we're going to throw him in there with Aaron. I don't really understand the whole setup, you see. Interesting. It's interesting because in reality, we have families and we have people in our lives and we have even ourselves and we look at ourselves and you start thinking, I'm really not worthy to be used by God. God should use my older brother. He's got it together. So look at this with me for a minute about God using real people. I mean, that's a big deal for the Bible. The Bible spends a whole chapter and a half here looking at this for you and me. You got to know this. This is really important. Because it's not about Spider-Man and Superman and Marvel comics. It's about normal people, fallen people, and a great God. And are you his? So let's look. This is uh, verse 13. We keep going. Real people. So these are the heads of their father's houses the Bible breaks into. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Joachim, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. And these are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the years of the life of Levi being 137 years. Okay, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dax, are we reading a genealogy? Yes. 
Genealogies are boring. Yes. <laughs> it's true, right? I just told you I'm a fiction reader. I love, where's the plot? There's no plot here. This is just a list of names. And not only that, this is like the pastor's worst nightmare. I did take the advice of somebody this week. He said, hey, Swanson, do you just, you read it like you know and you're confident and you don't stop. So even if you mispronounce something, no one knows. It's like, who are these people and what are these names? And they're only here, many of them in the Bible. What? What's, what's going on? Here's the thing. All of a sudden, we get a list of Israel's kids. Israel, right? Jacob. He had 12 of them. And we don't get a list of all of them. We just get a list of these three. And then we're going to go deeper into this, these three. Reuben is first, and Simeon is second, and Levi is the thirdborn of the sons of Israel. And we're going to focus in on Levi. And it's easy to say, well, I know why. It's because the Levites were the priests. Yeah, newsflash, they're not priests yet. Right? They may be going to be priests, but as you read this, you will third son? He's not the firstborn. That's like the main inheritor and the strong one that's going to represent the dad. And do a, he's not the, even the second. He's the third one. This is about Aaron. Aaron's been chosen by God to do something. He's not from the first family. That's Reuben. He's in the line of the third. And there's Levi's son, Gershon. And now we focus in on that. So there's Levi and the sons of Gershon. That's Levi's firstborn. Libni and Shemai by their clans. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The years of the lives of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Merari, Mali, and Mushi. These are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. I would be bummed to be called Mushi. I'd be tempted to say mushy. You're a little uh, soft there, dude. <laughs> but, but, but I still don't understand, right? But I'm starting to see, okay, wait, he took the, the, the firstborn of, of, of Levi's Gershon, and then the secondborn was Kohath, and the thirdborn is Merari, and he's given him kind of a little bit of a scan of the, these people, and, 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 and then he focuses in again on the secondborn. Not the thirdborn, not the firstborn. So again, it's almost random to me. It's like, yeah, don't think that you can tell based on your birth order. Your status in society would have been that way, but not to God. We're actually going to pick up one of Kohath's kids. So Amram took, that's, that's the secondborn, right? And the firstborn and the secondborn. So took as his wife, Jochebed, his father's sister. And she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izhar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zichri. The sons of Uziel, Mishael, Elzaphan, and Sithri. Wait a minute. Now there was a brief mention of a Canaanite woman early on, but this is really the first woman in the genealogy. And I found Aaron, and I found Moses, and Aaron's coming first because he's born before Moses. And, 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 and wait a minute. That's his claim to fame? His mom married her nephew? Think about it for a little bit, you guys. Anybody got an aunt? Your guy? You got a nephew? If you're like, okay. Well, that's just normal back then. No, 
I don't think it was because it's actually going to be banned in Leviticus. So again, stellar, totally put together family? No. Kind of sketchy. Seems kind of sketchy to me. My stomach flips just a little bit. I'm sorry if that's you and you married your aunt or whatever, but I'd be a little bit like, And, and, and then you get the sons of Ehar tossed in there. So this is all, all again, the, the following Levi's line, but identifying Aaron. Aaron took as his wife Elisheba, the daughter of Aminadab and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Then you got the sons of Korah. That's, again... The next person, Asir, Elkanah, and Apisaph. These are the clans of the Korathites. Now that's cool. It's kind of identifying it's about Aaron because he's got Aaron's wife too. Aaron's wife not from the Levites but from the clan of Judah. If you trace that ancestry, you can look it up. But, but that doesn't seem to be the, the point there. We're also throwing in the, this other family. Who, who are they? The sons of Korah. That kind of rings a little bit of bell. Some of the songs say the sons of Korah. But really there's a guy named Korah that we're going to see more in his, his sons that say, wait a minute, it's about this family relationship and we should be the people that are the priests. Kick Aaron out. And if we go far enough ahead, you know the earth's going to swallow him. God says no. But this family, it's like, like, it's like real family. It's like, oh yeah, have you heard of my, uh, my, 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 my uncle John? He married my uh, great aunt. <laughs> the family secret thing is going on. And, 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 and then you got these other people that are not going to be happy with Aaron and they're going to fight against him. And, and then by the way, just, just, just take a look at this for fun. I mean, you got Aaron and he gets married and she bears him four kids, Nadab, Nadab and Abihu. And again, if you're a Bible person at all, they're going to like get destroyed because they offer like strange fire to God. I've heard of the idea of strange fire. Uh, again, we don't want to go ahead, but I just want you to notice that his third son is Eleazar and then his fourth son is Ithamar. And then, and then the, the actual genealogy just gives you the Sons of the third kid, <laughs> Eleazar. That's Aaron's son. He took it as his wife, one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites by their clans. Why do we just identify Phineas? Kind of interesting. I mean, and, and that's the genealogy we're given. It's not even a complete genealogy. It's sort of like just there. Phineas. You guys remember Phineas at all? He was the guy, it's going to be in numbers, where he takes a sword. I mean, not a sword, a spear. It's important, it's a spear. He takes a spear and he shoves it through the stomach of some man who has married a Moabite woman. God doesn't want him to do that. Kills them both, pins them to the wall. Too bloody. And it's kind of a good thing. His zeal. God's like, okay, yeah, you're going to be, and this is going to be important, you're going to be, uh, I'm making a covenant, you're in the priesthood forever. You're going to be a priest for me in all your generations. 
What is this about? What is he establishing? What's going on? What does he do as he stands? He takes Aaron. Aaron, who's just Moses' older brother, says, go grab Aaron. It's almost like an afterthought because Moses had a problem that he couldn't speak well. And so somehow I think God's like uh, playing triple Z or something. It's not. It just seems like that to me. And God then takes and says, okay, here's Aaron. Aaron, you see, is connected to Israel. That's God's promise in the past. Aaron will be used by me now. And Aaron's kids, look, he's going to be in the priesthood forever. See, I'm, this is about being a priest. Aaron's going to be a priest. I'm not sure I know what a priest is, but this is foreshadowing. It's not going to come till later in Exodus. But we're setting up this genealogy to try and start to talk about this. It's a big deal going on. It's not going to just be Moses. That's amazing that God also chooses to use Aaron. So you got these Levites, Aaron and his family, including what God will promise to Phineas. And we get to see the priesthood isn't about the best and the brightest. It's littered with family issues that are good and bad. And, and, and there you are. And God uses real people. Real sinners. Not the best and the brightest, just people. Uh, like, like we're the ones, right? I want to assume that God's going to choose brilliance. He's choosing the best and the brightest. The Bible never does that. I mean, you could argue Paul was really smart. He, he, he kind of was a you know, rabbi in training. But... The Bible actually says not many wise and not many, right? It, it kind of does takes the weak and the little and the lost and the, the wrong. And he uses them. That's the idea. And that's even the idea in the very most important, seminal, strong story of the Old Testament, which is God developing and choosing his people and dwelling with them. It's called the Pentateuch. It's called the Torah. It's called the first five books of the Bible. It's the thing the whole piece stands on. Is look at this story. What's going on? God's always been this way. Right? Because he says, look, uh, this is really interesting language. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. These guys, these winners, right? It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron, this is who they were, you guys. Real people. He's going to have kids that are zealous and kids, kids that are terrible sinners. He's, he's normal. And it's, it's framed by this weakness in Moses, right? Because that's what's the whole thing. It's like when Moses said, hey, I, I really, um, I, I uncircumcised lips, God, I just can't talk, um, um, I can't speak. So all this peace and all this genealogy, and this is, says, on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? I, I think there's something really important for you and I to see, and we're going to get there at the end, so stay with me. But here's the thing I want you to see now. The image is that God was going to use Moses, a single man, to go deliver his people. 
there would be a single man who came to deliver his people. Son of God and son of man. And Moses is the lesser pointing to the greater. He looked like nothing. He had all the roles together. And yet this Moses, and God knew he would, but he presented it to us this way. I chose Moses and we're adding in someone else who Aaron It looks like, oh, well, God made a mistake and Moses has, no, 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 God knows this is happening all the way. But it's set so you see that this man too reflects a lesser to the greater because Aaron will be something. And it will point to the coming actual interceding priest. Let's look, because because this is real people, right? Used by God. How? 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 How does it point to our Savior? So let's look at chapter 7 for just a few verses. We won't do the whole chapter. But it says this. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. You can't skip over this stuff. So, God, the God of the universe, says to Moses, I will make you like God to Pharaoh. And Moses and Aaron will be your prophet. How is Moses like God? What role is Aaron fulfilling as a prophet? What's this whole setup? Because, because as he says this, I make you like God, then I want to know, well, what's like God? Because then I know what God is like, if I can know in what way Moses is like God. This is our faith, right? I believe in God. What is he like? And here's God telling Moses, I'm making you like God to Pharaoh. It's really interesting, right? Like God. What is like God? So the one who who has the word and speaks it, this is what will happen and it will happen. And then there's the prophet who hears the word of God and tells other people, So God has a word that he speaks that is true. And the prophet is the agent to get it done and out there. Does that sound okay? Why is this important? We'll, We'll keep going. Walk it through with me. Because now there's one who mediates between God and Pharaoh. That wasn't the initial thing God presented. Because he's working with the weaknesses of man. Guess what? You've got the same weaknesses that Moses did. God says, I will use you, Moses, and I will speak to you directly, and you will be the guy. What you say, you will speak directly to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, I don't really want to. We're going to see this again in in the middle of the most amazing thing of God who's going to want to present to the people, and the people are like, I don't want to go up to God. He's too holy. I'll die. We don't want to get too close to God. What do I mean? I think God is holy and right and true and awesome and powerful and a little scary and a little bit unusual, a little mysterious. And I just would like my life to go well and I just want to use the benefits of God so that I can do the things that I want to do. And and, and God can stay out there and help me, but I'm not sure I want to get too close to him. Let 
Walk with me on this. We'll, we'll figure it out at the end a little bit more. But So here, the Lord said to Moses, you're going to be like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron's going to be your prophet, and you shall speak all that I command you and your brother Aaron to tell Pharaoh, let the people of Israel out of the land. It says, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And, and, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. I say, that's interesting, the hardened heart thing. We're going to cover it way more later. But just at this point, no. God said this to Moses now like four times. This is not new information for any of us. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by the great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Whew. It's going to happen, right? So these Moses and Aaron, they did what God said. They they did as the Lord commanded them, and now Moses was 80, and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. We covered this a little bit already, but that just changes my whole image of what's going on. I was like, here comes Moses. I think of him like a weightlifter. He's been lifting. He's strong, and he's powerful, and he's carrying a big staff in his hand. And he comes and says, let my people go. And now I'm thinking Moses is kind of bowed and maybe shaken a little bit. And he's 80. And his brother's 83. So it's two old guys. And they're coming up to Pharaoh. Let my people go. The power's not in them. The power's not in what they're doing. The power's not in their ability. The power's not in their weightlifting. The power's not in their great physique and their, their imposing power that they speak with. The power's like, you do what I tell you. And, and Moses, actually, he's going to be God to Pharaoh. I means he's not a God that looks like he's superpowered. Just what he says will happen. And Aaron's there to speak it out. Because look, so then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. We've been through this. This is what the sign's gonna give. His cast down his shepherd's piece of wood and, and the staff of God, and, and, and then it becomes a serpent, right? You pick it up by the tail and it goes back to a piece of wood. So, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. Cool. Except I feel like I've seen this before. Because we did it in chapter, the beginning of chapter six. Yeah, some more information. So then Pharaoh summoned his wise men and the sorcerers and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff and they became serpents. So there it is. It's like, hey, the magician, it could be just learned people. It doesn't have to be like people who are like in dark magic or something. That word just means high wise man. They had a way, and people have talked about different ways you can make serpents like be hypnotized and be rigid. I mean, all these things that, that, that you try and figure out, and we don't really know. But we know this. Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. That's really weird. Because it was a piece of wood that got thrown on the ground, 
And then they figured out a way to make their snakes rigid, and they're over here on the ground. And, and Aaron's staff went over and swallowed all the theirs. So is he really fat now? That's just wild. It's amazing. It's a miracle, right? It really is. There's, it's, whoa. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, so he wouldn't listen to them as the Lord had said. As the Lord had said. This whole thing is going to be about God doing exactly as he said. And so we're setting the table for the ten plagues. We'll look at them three, three, and one. They're, they actually are in groups of three. They're, they're amazing. The one is earth shattering. And so we walk through this and, and, and we say, okay, well, that's great, Dax. You've walked me through the genealogy and we get to see Aaron's genealogy and that's really cool. And you see it's because Moses was stammering and, and now they're, they're Pharaoh, but just like God said, and, and God has stated he's going to be the one that delivers and he's going to be the one that does it. What's the point? Why do we even go through this Old Testament stuff? Can we go back to the New Testament, please? So I, I, I want you to really see this morning, I want you to have a heart for that, that this is remarkable, remarkable. Moses is a person who points to Jesus. My life is in Jesus. I'm, he's my savior. I want to know all about him. Say Moses points to him, right? So Jesus is the greater than Moses and Moses is taken by God and made to be, be God's very word. And Moses was nothing to hear. He couldn't speak very well. He's complaining that he can't speak very well. And yet he's perfectly what God wants to use, going to be God to Pharaoh. So my savior, who was nothing to look at, and people are like, what? You're some nobody's kid, and yet the Lord's going to use that one person in the most incredible, deep, amazing, important event of the world, and he's God, and he's the savior. Nobody, Moses, when finally he's 80, pointing to somebody that he just, man, I would give my whole life to say, look, Dax, your life points to Jesus. And yet the Lord did it. One man, he's, he's one man, that's Jesus, both the liver and the priest, and Moses couldn't hold them both together. So Aaron, Aaron's gonna become the mediator, the one between God, God's man, that's Moses, and, and the world, that's Pharaoh, right? And all the people. So Aaron's also this lesser pointing to a greater, why? Because Jesus is our priest, right? And it's so interesting, it's absolutely mind-boggling that Jesus in Hebrews is very much pointed to as a priest, he is our priest. What does he do? He lives to what? Make intercession. What does that mean? It's like he stands between God and you. And he says, I'm in the middle. Because you don't really want to be close to God. I get it. But, but you want to be close to me. I, I'm amazing. And, 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 and God the Father. But God, he is God. And, and so it's this amazing, greater than Aaron could ever be. And in fact, not and Aaron, this is even bigger. I hate to even go there and confuse you. I don't want to, but it's absolutely amazing. You say Jesus is the picture of Aaron who stands in the gap. And Aaron is this nobody who's like added in, apparently just at the end, by God as an, oh, well, we'll just toss him in there. But he's able to image Jesus himself as a priest. And yet God's very clear. Jesus Christ is a, is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, wait a minute. 
What does Melchizedek have to do with Aaron? Nothing. Melchizedek's been a priest before Aaron even existed. He was a priest forever. And way back, Abraham is giving tithes and, and worshiping through Melchizedek, the royal priest. And then here's Aaron the, of the Levites, and, and he's imaging this coming priest, and yet he's not even it because he's not. He's needing a mediator too. He's not going to be in all this stuff that gets set up with sacrifices and all the way that is mediating between the people and all these things. And he's, he's pointing to Jesus. It's amazing he gets to. And at the same time, Jesus is so much more than he could ever think and ever be. We have a single Savior who's our priest who stands and intercedes for us so that what God wants to be done is done and you are saved. And the whole story we're looking at is not the identification of great people that God will exalt or the creation of strong people that will conquer. No, there's a conqueror. He looked like nothing. But he delivered and he intercedes. And the world's against him too. And that's where we are. But we're God's. And he's the one that's going to deliver. Not from Pharaoh, but from a deeper and stronger problem. Our own sin. Our deserved death. Our rebellion and wrong. And so today, with me just for a minute. And, and this has been a long walk through. In order that we might pause. Pause. The plot's going to keep going. Amazing things are going to happen. Your God is incredible. But today, this day, would you take in that God uses real people? And the question for you is only, is are you his? Because if you're his, your God fights for you. So I want to know that. I want to know today that the plan's always been that a new Moses Aaron would come and deliver his people. And, and, and if you trust this new Moses Aaron, if you trust that he will deliver and you don't take that role yourself, you don't be God, you trust God because he doesn't look like much. He doesn't seem to change my circumstances much. The world continues to oppress me. The world continues to be something I struggle with, even my own sin. And yet I'm trusting a savior outside of me, this greater than Moses, Moses, this above Aaron, Aaron. And he says, if you just trust me, I've got you the whole way through. That's so freeing. He didn't look like much, you guys. The Bible even makes sure you see that. But he, God, uses normal people to reflect an image who Jesus is. And that's you and me. We get this God who by his power and strength uses us our whole life through. You can take it to the bank. It's from the very first page of the Bible. We have this kind of God. So would you, could you see that we have a God who saves? And Hebrews 7 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. What does it mean to draw near to God? What is that? That's abandoning my hope to be the Superman and saying, You know what? I'm nothing but I've got this amazing Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for you.
Receive him today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the amazing, amazing wonder of this word. Your word that goes out in all the earth, that those who might look to Jesus will live. And Lord, we put our hope there, not in our eyesight or not in our actions, but in your actions for us. And Lord, please, I pray for our little body and our community that we might stand fast on this salvation outside of us. We might be those who remind each other of the incredible forgiveness of our sin because of what you've done for us. We receive it, Lord, and we worship, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.